right to the roots podcast right here we are <laughs> episode five i'm on my own this time though unfortunately jason's not here he uh co-host as you all know he's got some personal errands to run to so uh <laughs> blessed me asked me to come on on my own um Obviously, it's been a little bit of a hiatus since since the last episode. I had some personal bits to attend to myself, but things are steady. And I've been looking and putting the feelers out to have some interesting guests on. And I always tend to go towards people with an interesting message or someone spreading a bit of positivity and hope. Um, so, best, you know, the best thing to do is introduce that guest. A bit different when I said, you know, positivity and hope first off, when I mentioned, say, a bit of the background, but former drug trafficker, um, a little bit of a naughty boy, I think self-proclaimed naughty boy, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and an all-round affable chap, um, especially from what I've seen so far. Uh, yeah, let me introduce Michael Emmett. Hi, nice to meet you. All right, Dan. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. And yourself, mate, and pleasure to meet you as well. Yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, I'm all good. Good. I'm, I'm glad good. glad to hear it. So, I come across yourself um, actually on Instagram. I kept seeing pop-ups for um, for your profile and, and your book, Sins of a Father. And, uh, you know, it kept grabbing my interest. And I thought, I'll go back and have a look at that. I'll go back and have a look at his page and see see what it's about. And um, as soon as I started to to see this story of redemption and, and, and you know, and, and real positivity, especially coming from the background you've had, and then to to be where you are now I thought oh, I just want to you know get you on and have a, have a chat with you he seemed like a really lovely fellow from all the interviews and, and podcasts I've seen so far and I thought you're definitely the right type of person for this yeah. you know for this this type of work so um I mean if you don't mind me asking where, where's the best place to start for you uh is that song let's start at the very beginning <laughs> yeah I, start wherever you want at the beginning anything you want to ask me I I, I will um answer to my best ability okay so i mean from what from what i know obviously your your father had a life of of, of crime or was involved in a in a life of crime so i'm assuming you you know you, you can't help but follow suit really um, yeah. especially if it's around you um and and you, you're seeing it all the time it must be difficult to have not gone down that route so where was it for you when you, you suddenly realized right okay um this this is where I'm this is where I'm heading. This is what I want to I want to be doing. Was it quite an early stage for you, or was it? Uh, your life? I mean, for me, you know, it, my dad didn't show me crime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I saw things as a young child. You know, children are very we're very kids are very unusual. Um, they they pick up things. You know, in the subconscious mind, they see and hear things, mm-hmm. and and. It influences their life. So in my family, in my mother, there was a huge amount of love, huge. Yeah. And, you know, we were out of South East London. We're old Cockneys. Mm. Um, we, was, we was born in the flats. Um, my mother's family was um, sort of their flower sellers and they used to work in Covent Garden. And, All right. And my mum was, uh, she was one of five others. She had five brothers. It was five of them. Sorry, Mary, Tommy, Peter, Johnny. There was, yeah, there was five of them. Yeah, and my mother was the eldest. And 
my grandfather, he was on my mother's side, he was one of 11 and my grandmother was one of 14 or the other way round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, my mother's family come out of the elephant and castle. They were sort of war children and it yeah. was all pianos and, you know, like to drink, but they was hardworking people. Yeah. The only sort of flaw in that side of the family was my mother's brother just below was my uncle Johnny. Uh, and he was a schizophrenic. Yeah. Right. Uh, so he was living, he was in the, in the mental homes from the ages of 18 till he died when he was 76. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that was quite, um, a real introduction to, to, to mental health, yeah. you know, but I, f- I feel that there's, there's a, there's a, there's a condition of mental health, but there's also, there's mental health issues, which are relaxed related to emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're completely different. Yeah, and I think it's a the, the the mental health that I suffered from wasn't the level of schizophrenia. The mental health that I suffered suffered from was, I believe, handed down. Hence the name of the book, Sins of Fathers, from my predecessors. Now, my my mother's family was sort of just very well stabled. It wasn't perfect, but there was lots of love, lots of laughter, and, and, and there was a huge family. My father's family, and this is not to disrespect my father's family, it was full of <clears throat> it was full of dysfunction. My yeah. grandfather, he, um, and I'll get to you. I'll answer your question. <laughs> my grandfather was um, he was a very clever man. He was uh, by by allegedly he was he was shot in the back in the war or shrapnel in the back. He was in a coma. He woke up. Um, he was a cripple. You know, he was bent over. He used to walk about on two sticks. And, and he woke up very, very angrily, very angrily. And, and I think it had a massive influence on my bro- my dad and his three sisters. But yeah. not only my grandfather's behaviour, I think spiritually there was something dark that came through the generations of the family. Now, that's not me guessing it. That's me knowing it because I got it. Yeah. yeah. And... And when I was a very young age, there was some abuse around sexual abuse at a very young age for me, which it wasn't outrageous, but it wasn't nice. Yeah, of course. And and so that opened up an avenue as a five or six year old kid of, 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 of being exposed to sexuality when a five or six year old kid does not understand that. Yeah, yeah of course. Not. So that was one of the inclusions. I think my grandfather, he killed himself. He drank acetone. Um, okay. And they found him, which gruesomely, I read it in the newspaper, they found him with the, his, the lining of his stomach coming out of his mouth. So it was horrendous, yeah? Yeah. Um, he committed suicide. On my dad's family, there's been two suicides. There's been same-sex relationships. There's been high level of drug abuse. There's been crime. There's been violence. There's been a number of us have been in the prisons. Uh, and, and in that, I I now see how broken everything was. So there was a genetic value in that. It was a very similar way in that. that On my dad's side, my cousins and my aunts and uncles, not so much my uncles, my aunties and my dad, there was a a thing that wasn't quite right in their equilibrium. And and it was invested into me and, and, and and I had that. So at a very young age, I came out of the flats in Stockwell and I see a couple of things that my dad done 
yeah. quite violently. I, he, he didn't want me to see it. I know it upset him, but I saw it. Now, whether that made me a criminal or not, I don't know. And then one day I see my dad making some number plates for a car that was for a robbery. I didn't know he was doing that, but I was intrigued with what he was doing. But they're the sort of things that started to, without me knowing subconsciously, started to form my character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there was that yin and yang of Michael, you know, it was that there was that always that opposite. My 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 father was married four times. There were seven siblings, two tragically died, two tragically died. And uh, but there was very, there was very, my father was very bright, like his father. So my sister and my brother, they was extremely bright at school. I wasn't. So I had all this going on. I, I, I went, we come out of the flats in Stockwell. We went to live down in Surrey. Uh, and then by the age of 11, I started to feel uncomfortable with myself. I started, I started stealing at a very young age. To my dad's dismay, I got involved with a, an altercation with with a young young boys at a, in a in a in a in a, a youth club at the age of thirteen. I got arrested. Uh, my dad sort of sorted that out for me, and and then I just started to try at school. And the only thing I excelled at school was football. And then by the time I was seventeen, I was using drugs, uh, and, and my life of crime took off from there. So if my dad influenced it. I wouldn't say he'd done it by choice. Right. Okay. Yeah. So not, not directly. It's just a domino effect really of, of, of things that's, that's occurred there, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And then we start to use things to change the way we feel because we don't feel comfortable in our own skin. Of course and not, I think yeah. when this stuff comes into us, they can all say it's mental health and I get that. But I think personally for me, it's a malady of it's spirituality, I think. Yeah. I think there's 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 two choices that we make, and that's good or bad. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, and I think, I mean, uh, in the Bible, and I'm not saying that you have to believe this, but there's an analogy attached to Adam and Eve eating the apple. So whether we believe that was the truth, that's not the point I'm trying to make. I, I, I'm, the point I, I take from that is that the apple looked really shiny. Yeah. And all what looks good is not good. You know, I eat certain foods. I love foods that are fattening. <laughs> but, you know, I think we then start to, as an addict, we start to use people, places, money, sex, drugs. Uh, and, and that took off when I was 17, 18. I drank when I was about 11. I started smoking cigarettes. I started puffing. And then I started using class A drugs. Um, I, I was very dysfunctional in relationships. I met the mother of my children, Tracy, wonderful lady. And she gave me three beautiful girls. And, and then from there on, very tragically, I got involved with a police car chase. Um, there was drugs in the car. Um, they wasn't mine, but that's not important. Um, we was chased by the police helicopter. The guy I was driving with was a very uh, well-known criminal. He was wanted by the police. Um, we had this car crash. I wound up in a wheelchair. I got bow mm. um, because of lack of evidence and all sorts of things. And I, I, I absconded. I went to live out in Spain. I started being naughty out in Spain, messing about with a few drugs. 
And then my brother came down to visit me to keep me company because my grandfather was dying and my brother tragically got killed in a, in a car crash, okay. um, leaving behind his girlfriend who was three months pregnant. So there was another pinnacle of disaster. It was another moment when the gaping hole inside of me from sex abuse to a, to a, a criminal father, to live in a lie, really, because we used, my dad used to make out that he was an antique dealer. Uh, and, and it permutates and you pick that up, you know, and I don't think he meant it. But what I've learned is that the next generations that follow me in, my children and my grandchildren, will, God willing, be nothing to do with any of the stuff that I've got involved with, because yeah. I feel we've, break, we've broken it and it doesn't exist anymore. There's no prison visits. There's no... You know, there's no police kicking the door in, all that sort of thing's gone. But when my brother died when I was 25, that that was the thing that really, really um, pushed me into a huge dis uh, state of despair. Um, the drugs got bigger. The, the, I started having affairs with, with women, lovely women, but I was dishonest to my wife. Um I had, and I had, a, I think I had a breakdown, an emotional breakdown, which I anaesthetized myself. I didn't go and get any help. Um, all of it was uncomfortable. And, 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 and in it was these three wonderful, beautiful children that I had, a very caring mother. And that's when I, I came back from Spain after my brother died. I got rearrested. And instead of getting a, a long time in prison, I got a number of not guilties. Mm -hmm. and, and I spent a year in prison. Uh, and I came home full of beans. I wasn't going to ever do that again. And um, I started using drugs again. And that's when my dad got arrested for a large importation of cannabis over uh, in the Irish Sea. He come out of prison. Um, there was lack of evidence there. And we decided to, uh, so they wanted us, but they was finding it hard to get us. And my dad said, you know, why don't you come and work with me? Uh, and I was about, uh, I suppose then I was about 30. So there was a period of time from 26 to about 30 where I still messed about. Then I started working with my father to the high echelons of, of drug smuggling. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, it sounds like you, you, you sort of not started to, to spiral in that time, but obviously that domino effect of things that had happened. Um, and touching back on the, the Adam and Eve analogy, you know, with the forbidden fruit, you obviously, you have a taste. One taste is one thing. It's when you keep going back for taste of the forbidden fruit again and again and again, when it starts to become a problem and then you get used to that, I guess. And then all of a sudden you, you, your life's in all, you know, taking all different paths and, and you, you, you know, you've wound up doing all sorts of things leading up to that point of you, you working sweet. with your old man, you know? Great way of explaining it. Very much exactly in a nutshell. But I mean, so when, when you started working with your old man, did you find things were calming down a little bit for yourself or you thought this is going to be a, 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 a point where things steady a little bit for you? Uh, not really. Um, I went through the, the, the ecstasy scene, uh, very greedy, thought that was the love drug. <laughs> um, again, affairs, dishonest. I, I just used to, everything about me was the forbidden fruit. Yeah, and the only thing that kept me kept love going for me was my three children. But where I was so messed up in the head, I couldn't deliver 
how I felt in my heart. Of course. And it used to really frustrate me because I absolutely adored them. But, you know, they went through a lot of tough stuff, my children, with me and their mother. Um, incredible three girls I've got. And so then when I went to work with my dad, it was, um, it was international crime. Okay. Um, it was a level of drug, uh, drug smuggling, you know, in the millions. You know, they, they, what I got arrested for it was about 13 million quid's worth. Wow. So okay. they say. Um, and well, I bought, we, we aborted, they said we aborted one load in the Bristol Channel because we bought it back by sea. Hmm. Um, uh, and they say that there was a, a huge amount of cannabis thrown in the Bristol Channel. I never got arrested for that at first. And then a year later, uh, I was arrested at gunpoint uh, in North Devon, a place called Biddeford. And I was arrested for five metric, metric tons of cannabis. Wow. Um, armed coppers, all that stuff went on. And my dad was arrested. We got arrested together. Um, we, we, we got 12 and a half years um, and a fine of, of three million pounds or do six years. Uh, the fine got reduced. And so in the end, we was doing 12 and a half years, went to an appeal court, funny enough, and we got three and a half years off, but about three years after that. So in the end, I was doing nine and a half years or nine years. Um, but so it was a miracle, really. But, but when I was arrested, I was sitting on my backside um, on, and I was a very mixed person. You know, I'd be frightened of a mice running out from underneath a curtain. And I'm not saying I'm not frightened of guns because everyone would be fighting the guns, but I see no fear mm. in that moment when I was surrounded. There were 16 armed officers. There were 60 officers there altogether because there was 18 of us to be arrested. And um, I had no fear. And I have to go back and think about that. So whatever Michael woke up in the morning because of that opposite, that coward or that fearful man or the fearless man, yeah. I had to judge it. Uh, and you'd think I could walk on water and the next day I would cower in the corner. It was always active in me. So I used to think it wasn't a choice. It was something that was driving me. Yeah. yeah. And then the ego, the pride, the low self-worth, the things I'd done to my wife with, with, with girlfriends, you know, and, and other people very close to me. You know, I, 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 my addicts got really out of control. Mm -hmm. and, and today that doesn't exist. So when I got arrested, it, it was a relief, to be honest with you, Dan. It was yeah. a relief. And it's where my old life ended, actually, and my new life began. Good. It seems like, you know, maybe at that point is when clarity begins to appear. You know, because you've been yeah. stopped in your tracks. Uh, you know, yeah, all, very much so. All of that's led to that one monumentous moment where you think, all right, I'm, I'm fucked. This is it. This is where it's all it's come to. But then obviously you've gone on a, on a journey sort of separate from that. And I found yourself, you know, where you are, which you are today, you know, smiling and laughing and being able to give people um, conversations like, like this, which is, which is wondrous really, because not everyone gets to go through that, you know, they're in prison and then that's, that's it for yeah. them. That's where they stay. Mm. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's where a lot of people, you know, unfortunately, live the rest of their lives and, and and die. You know, that's that's it for them. But you've you've taken a completely different path, and it's it, you know, it's incredible to think you've had you had all that in your back catalogue to be here. It's it's truly wondrous, mate. Yeah, no, there is something in that what you say. So thank you, I received that. Thank you. That's right. Thank it's you. my my absolute pleasure.
Thank you. As I said, as soon as you, your story sort of popped up to me, I couldn't help but go back and think, oh, I've, I've got to hear what, you, what you've got to say. Not And not just say read it in the book i want to hear it from you, yourself you know where you can really convey what went on how you mm. felt that real mm. real emotion from it you know yeah absolutely that's very true that's very true when um so when when you you know you, you've been you've been caught you're at gunpoint of you know you're being taken away and so on um what were your first thoughts as you you know you, you're sort of stumbling into to the prison environment i guess was it a was it a culture shock for you or no. was it what you you expected anyway? I've been in prison before, you see. Oh, right. Okay. So it's not. I've the... been in prison twice before. Uh, okay. Only one on remand and like I said, for a year, the other one. So I feel that um, the shock of it was that um, there was 17 of us arrested. Yeah. So there was still the, the, the adrenaline was still apparent. Of course. And, uh, the first thing the old Bill, the police said to me, a penny for your faults. I had tears in the eyes about my children. <laughs> and they must have thought, my, this guy's off his head. <laughs> and I go into a prison with my father and 16 or 17 other, other co-defendants. The moment we get banged up in Exeter, it was all armed, copped. It was all very sort of intense. Yeah. I turned the radio on. And there was a, that song came on. It was a Chris Rear song. This is the road to hell. <laughs> but it wasn't for me. There was the, 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 the void that was in me. Yeah. Created from the past traumas of my life. I disconnected when I went to prison and I, I started to use drugs for the first year, <laughs> which I was probably doing anyway. But it was a yearning inside of me. I didn't like the noise in my head. They call it stinking thinking. I didn't like who I was. This actor who I had to portray, because my dad was quite an infamous face. Yeah. yeah. You won't read a lot about my dad. He made sure of that. <laughs> he was what I would call a proper criminal. But he was friends with the, the Cray twins. The uh, He weren't friends. He knew them. Richardson's, the great train robbers. Yeah. And, and all of those guys... I, I don't want to disrespect Ronnie and Reggie Craig, but my dad's friends were more like Robin Hood's. Yeah. yeah. They, they, yeah, maybe, but they, 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 they catch it amongst themselves. If there was ever violence, it was never outside the circle. If there was any crime, it was always kept inside the circle. Uh, and all our families lived off the process, but they all made out that they, everyone makes out who's attached to a criminal that they're, they're honest and straight. And that is what you call a criminal who's not at crime to feed a drug addict. This business yeah. is money. Yeah, it's a job. Yeah. And it's not a job that I'm proud of. It's not a job that I would suggest anyone take some ball. It's, the apprenticeship's hard. <laughs> and when you get success, there's always a consequence that you're going to hurt people or you're going to be away from your loved ones for many, many years. And so that's the that that's the uh, consequence of being a criminal. Yeah. And uh, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. But I was very broken. Uh, and the the fashion, all, all, all the masks that I'd obtained through that crazy life <laughs> when I was sitting in prison there was a guy who came up to my cell and he was 20 years into recovery. 
in NA. And he was done 22 years. He was a lifer, this fella. That means he was doing life. And he said to me, I, was, I just had a big joint in the cell. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, Michael, there's only one person in this prison who you need to get on with. So, you know, all bullshit and egotistical. Well, who's yeah. that? I said. And he said, it's yourself. And when my door closed that night, I knew that I didn't get on with Michael. So if I don't get on with Michael, you're never going to see the real me. You're going to see what I think you need to see. So you like me or you trust me. Uh, and it all, it all becomes a very sort of mask experience. And when my door closed that night, uh, when he said that to me, it was like a bullet. I thought, I don't get on with Michael. Yeah. I'm always reaching out. And I can do it today if I'm not careful. Reaching out to fix myself. And um, and I was in my cell, stoned, and I didn't like how I felt. And I picked the Bible up, because in every hotel, every prison, there's a Gideon's Bible. Yeah, of course. My dad was that old sort of Catholic mafia believer, you know? <laughs> and he used to go down to the church. And I picked the Bible up, and I went into the concordance at the back. And there was all the thing about mental health, divorce, this, that, and I, I, I fitted them all. And I went to one of the scriptures in the Bible and the scripture I went to, and I'm not religious, by the way, Dan, the scripture I went to was the faith the size of a mustard seed. And it something changed. I don't know what it was. And it didn't last for long, but it, it seemed like a natural high, yeah. just a normal, no, no lust, no wanting, no needing, no greed. I was in the presence of what I suppose normal means Hmm. or whether I don't know what normal means actually so I I bit it I I, I liked it yeah so I I thought what was that and my wife then not the mother of my children I'd sadly left my wife and I'd married another girl beautiful lady called Daniela an Italian lady we lived in Marbella in Spain and um she was friends with Samantha Fox the page three girl yeah become a Christian she was at a church in Knightsbridge called Holy Trinity Brompton, the home of Alpha. And she came down to visit me, Samantha Fox, and she was telling me she came into the prison. We'd done some charity work, which was great. I took her on the landings, on the wings, Samantha Fox. <laughs> Most of the men had the, her on the pinup on their wall, and there yeah. she's standing, large as life. It's quite bizarre. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and so I went down to church, and... There was a thing, it, it was, it, I, I, I'm not asking anyone to understand this because it's my walk and I'm not trying to preach or convert. But, but, but there's a thing, uh, like I say, the alpha. Uh, and I wasn't into finding God. I always had a trusting, I mean, I used to pray to get me cannabis home when I was smuggling. <laughs> <laughs> but there was always, I prayed since I was a child. So it wasn't about whether God existed or not. I had a staunch Catholic grandmother. I just took it that God did exist in the wonders of the heavens, just let's just say. I found the word born again Christian a very hard word to digest. I loved churches. I respected churches, but I couldn't sit for a sermon. And then Sam came down and she said, oh, look, there's this thing. There's this group. So I went down to the chapel looking for a move, an angle. And we phoned up 
the now leader of that church, who is a wonderful man called Nicky Gumbel. And he's a, he's a very, very well-respected Christian man who runs, uh, uh, he heads up a massive organisation, but he's a humble guy. Spoke to him, he sent someone down to the prison, for, I asked him to come down, don't know why. It was like God putting the, the puzzle together. And they came down, we was in the chapel, there was about 30 of us, and something happened in that room. It was something like a puff of love went up. It was something like, something I'd never experienced before. And there was a lot of manifestation. People call it mass hysteria. They can call it what they like. But I experienced, and it wasn't emotional. It wasn't weird. It was just, I thought, this is real. God is real. And people might say, he's a lunatic. Or he's only doing that because he's in prison because he wants to get off drugs. Whatever that was, my belief today is in a God or an existence, let's not call it God, I call it God, other people might, that we spin round the sun at a thousand miles an hour. It never slows, it never reverses, it is always perfect. The moon, the sun is perfect. So whatever brought that into existence, for me, that's a miracle, yeah? And whatever brought that into existence, the energy that created that, I think is available to us today. So I, I went on this search, and that day, Alpha in prisons was born, which is the Christianity course, now in prisons. It's one of the biggest prison ministries in the world today. Yeah. A lot of drug addicts, a lot of people have, um, have done the calls. And it doesn't mean to say you have to go to church, but there, there's not a rule to it. But they suggest that if you follow the guidelines of what the Bible says, that there's power in it. So that's where I sit with it. I I read my Bible, not every day, I pray. And I I, I have a strong faith to believe that there's something that exists. And it's helped me get well. It's helped me. I'm not an angel, Dan. I'm not no angel, but I'm not what I used to be. Yeah. Yeah, And the most blessed thing for me today, Dan, is I told you I found it hard to, show love to my children because I couldn't communicate it. I thought it had to be emotional. Love's an action. Everything we do in love is an action towards kindness. And then my children are all grown up now. They gave me these wonderful grandchildren. I was a very wealthy man, Dan. I lost every single penny of it and I was homeless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm 21 years, 22 years sober from drink, yeah. Um, and I um, I began to fall out. I lost everything. I lost, four, I, lost I was the owner of, Kasa- I was a shareholder in the group that became Kasabian. Oh, wow. I found them when they were Sarah Cruz. I had a, I, I had a big business, of supermarkets, flowers, I had a radio station, and I don't say this to show off. Uh, I had property, and I lost a lot. I lost everything, got in debt, and had my old life turn against me. But I think it was for the purpose of good, to separate me from things that I find dysfunctional, pride, yeah, what have you. So I still see, I know these people, 
but I, God isolated me to deal with me, I believe. And so I do a lot of work now. I've Because I had nothing, I couldn't buy my grandchildren's love like I try to do with my children. I, I had to get on buses with them like normal people do, trains, go to the swings. But it's created a wonderful experience that I've got eight, well, seven grandchildren, one during eight days, that I have the ability to love them without any manipulation or giving them anything, but by giving them myself. Yeah. That was another part of my healing. So it's been a funny old journey for me, Dan, and we've wrote the book, Sins of Fathers. We're trying to do a documentary. There's talk that there might be a Netflix series or a film. I mean, it's it's not pie in the sky, but we're writing another book about crime. And the more I engage with, and I'm, I'm not perfect. Don't think I'm perfect, because I'm not. Yeah. But I have the ability, I, I, I work with ex-criminals, um, a number of ex-criminals, dangerous boys as well, who want to change their life around. So there's the benefits. I have a charity now, I run the charity, called Finish Well. And okay. um, there's a lot going on, Dan, and, and I just want to be... I want to finish the race well. Uh, I'm not looking to retire, <laughs> but I'm looking to be with my grandchildren and my children and, and finish this life in a way that's uh, to prove that there's hope for us all. Yeah. To prove there's hope for us all. Well, just, you know, on the, on the back of what you just said there, to hear the way you, you know, you, you've spoken about what you'd lost, all the things you, you'd gained from, um, the lifestyle that you'd had and that pedestal you'd obviously put yourself upon because, you know, you've got women around you, you had, you had money, obviously you've got a bit of gear and all the rest, you know, all that sort of stuff that's gone on in that, that time frame to then have it taken away from you. is drastic. Um, you know, not, not, not that you, you know, depending on, on how people look at it, not that you deserve to have had it taken away from you because everyone takes a different path. Some of us have a nine to five job. Some of us don't, you know, we're not all cut out to do the same type of thing or go through the same rigmarole of life. We all do different things, you know, and none of us are perfect. Um, we'd all be liars if we said we were. But, you know, it's what that's what makes us as people. But it's so cathartic to hear you, you know, talk about almost being being stripped of all that and losing so much to the point, you know, you're at now where it sounds like you're, you're gaining again. Um, yes. not only with the, the love and I, I imagine more love and respect with your, your family and, and the grandkids as well. You know, I'm a father myself, as you've, as you've seen, you saw a picture of the little one. So, I mean, that, you know, it's, that's a whirlwind in itself trying to navigate that. So yeah, I imagine for yourself, you've got the relationship with your kids there, you've got your grandkids and there's some bits you've, you've lost out on, and then you get to make up for that and you get to give them real, like you said, I'm, I'm manipulating love and affection. It's so yeah. free for them. Um, but with you know, the idea of, of the next book and, and uh, maybe something with Netflix or, you know, a documentary or, or TV program, you, you're, you're, in my opinion, rightfully gaining again, you, you know, you're, you're giving back into your own community and, and to other people and trying to do a lot more. So um but to me mate that's you know you're deserving of what you get now you've done your old time you've done you know you've got through the bad stuff 
and and you're doing a lot of good by the sounds of it, mate. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm that's, trying that's all you do. can do. That's all you yeah. can do. You know, you're not. Yeah. I doubt there's anyone out there that looks at you and thinks, oh, he, he should be doing more. He should do this, or or he doesn't deserve that. You know, he, people are people at the end of the day. Um, mm. We all need each other. Good. I've or had bad. to learn <laughs> that the opinion of man is based on. You know, people get up in funny moods. One day they're all right, they're not. So that opinion of a, of, of, of a man based on whatever they base it on, I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking about in general. I, I, I try to look now, and it takes the ego away, of the opinion of what love says. Yeah. yeah? And love is not owned by you or me. It's a gift. And if we engage in that, I think that's what the human is really, the human's all about, is engaging in love. It's difficult at times, but there's been so much. As I'm talking to you, I'm thinking, God, dear, you haven't half changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I'm, and I'm happy that I haven't gone out into this new social media environment and been the big shot, because yeah. it can come with that. There's times when it looks very successful. There's times when it's held. There's times when it gets high, there's lows and all that. But in that, in that, as long as I keep the purpose of what we're trying to achieve in the narrative, rather than trying to change the narrative because it's my will, I get lost in the ego then, yeah? But yeah. if I allow things like, and I don't want to sound all weird, but peace or love or kindness, you know, the Bible says about loving my neighbour. I, I didn't have a chance of loving my neighbour. I thought they was all policemen and they was bugging me out. But to me to love today, I had to learn to like Michael. Yeah. And the shame and the guilt and the stuff that all went on, if I'm not careful, I can tap into that and it can trauma me. Yeah. yeah. But as I'm slowly going through the process of change, and I still am going through it, there's good evidence that what I'm doing is working. Good. And do I want to be big again? Yeah, I do, because I want to have influence. But I don't want to be big again for the pride or the ego or look at me, I've returned and I'm successful. I want to come back. They say when you enter the desert, whatever that desert may mean for everyone, it says going quietly. A desert, I'm not talking about a sand desert. I'm talking about a desert of life. There's times when we go into the desert when things are hard. Yeah. Uh, and that's when we have to find humility. You know, it's not all about me. You know, yeah. I'm not the best guy in the world. I can't fix it. But what I can do is speak, speak from my experience that I've had healing gone on in my mind. I've had changes that, that you don't need what you think you need to get on in this life. What you need is to be at peace with yourself. Yeah. So that's the ability to learn and and, be, and have a good equilibrium. And then if you're called to help, you're available when there's you're not looking for anything back. What you get back from helping people, especially in addiction and, and faith, is that it helps you. It maintains your le- level of sobriety. It allows your mind not to have this stinking effing thinking <laughs> about what people think, what people say. And I think we, we're very powerful. We, it, 
we can speak things into existence. So I'm learning to speak good into existence yeah, and, and believe in that and believe that if I speak well about myself, then I act well about myself and I begin to like and love myself to make myself available to share that with other people. That's really the bottom line of it. And I'll, I'm, I'm still in debt. I want to come out of that. Um, and that's coming along all right for me. And then I'd like to be involved with people coming out of prison. I, I have a, ho- a heart for the homeless. Yeah. Um, and I think that I've got something to offer. I, I think I have because I've come from dark, let's coin a phrase, to light. <laughs> no, it's good. It seems like you've... Um... You've you've come full circle. You're you're you know you're getting to that 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 point in your life where you know you've you've experienced. It sounds like you've experienced so much in 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 that time frame. You know, yeah. as, as young young kids, you've you've gone from from dark, then obviously even further down that that channel. Yeah, and then you've come out of that, and then you've gone back again. You've come out, you know, and you've 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 ventured off all these different different avenues and, and paths for yourself, but to, to come around and, and try and spread this, this message to people of a bit of, uh, you know, kind, kindness, really kindness and, and love and appreciation um, uh, for humanity, really. Um, I mean, mm. that's, that's what's key there. You know, like you, you said, you, if you want to try and help people that are coming out of prison or, or recovering um, addicts or people that are, that are just starting that road, you know, they need a helping hand. They can't just be cast aside. No, I mean, I've always been keen on the idea of rehabilitation. I know yeah, people, people always, you know, realistically, the, the media and, and and many people have shit all over that idea. But it, people are starting to get to that point where they're like, hold on a minute. Yeah, people can be helped properly. You know, yeah. You, yeah, you can do more for people than just going. Yeah, more so nowadays than yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think the world's changed a little bit more. You know. I remember reading things growing up and you, you really certain people that have come out of prison and then all of a sudden they, their life spiraled and then, you know, they've, they've, they've taken their own lives or they've done something because they didn't get the help they received. Um, How old are you, Dan? Uh, 30. Cool. Are you really? Cause you speak, you speak wise. And what about you? What you, what do you do? What, what's your life? Well, firstly, thank you for that. That's a, that's a lovely comment. Am I, um, it just reminded me just to something my, uh, my granddad used to tell me, um, my nan and granddad were Island, um, Island born and bred. So I'm from Hackney uh, originally, but I live in Essex now. But all the family are London based, and they all uh, let me have a life where I was like the, you know, the young kid learning around older people. So I've always been told, "Well, you've got an old head on young shoulders." So to hear that, it's nice. It's nice to just yeah, think you're still it. there. I'm glad. I'm, I'm really glad it's come across that way. And um, you're in the rock. You're in the music, aren't you? I'm a, primarily I'm a heavy metal fan, but uh, I like I like a little mixture of bits as well. So I don't mind a bit of jazz. Um, I will say I'm not a I'm not a big pop fan, but um, some stuff's all right. Although if we're going to take it down the, the pop route, I don't mind a little bit of Billy Ocean. Um, yeah, I love a bit. Okay. I love a bit of Billy. You know things like that. Uh, yeah. that, that tickles my fancy a little bit. But um, but yeah, no, primarily a, a, a rock fan. And, um, but yeah, I mean, for myself, you know, I, I can't say I've led a, <laughs> an interesting life. I've had some experiences. Um, it's only just begun for you. Be careful. You're only 30. 
Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm taking nothing for granted. Uh, I've spoke previously on, on uh, some of the episodes on this podcast and the one that I appeared on. Um, I had a few experiences in the past two or three years or, or going past that. Um, I dealt with a, a suicide on the railway, so I was just a ticket seller. Mm-hmm. I, I dealt with that and um, we had... Uh, what was that like? Difficult, um, to say the least, because the station's got to be closed down. You know, so They jump in front of the train? Yeah, I sold a lady a ticket and uh, I thought, you know, you deal with like thousands of people all day. So you, you're constantly having conversation and you you don't become like autonomous, but you think, eh, there you go. There's your ticket to Fenchurch. Crack on, see you later, have a nice day. And I was sitting there and thought to myself, something's not right. Before I knew it, she'd gone up and, and, and jumped. Luckily, she survived. She you survived? Know? Yeah, I think, I think she... Uh, um, Cry for help. Yeah, I think she cried for help. Luckily, the train was pulling in and not going at, at you know full speed, so she she survived it. But uh, what was her injuries? I think she lost a leg. I think it was just her leg had got caught. Did you see it? Did you see her? No, luckily, luckily, no. I, I was. We were coming out to go up the stairs, and all of a sudden, you can hear people upstairs, you know, wow. shouting and screaming. So I got I got away. We're not seeing you know that sort of stuff. But to then well, to it's pretty with, horrendous though, isn't it? To, to, to think someone come in and paid paid for the privilege was what mm. I took from that and thought, where were they at? You know, where mm. where, where, where was their where was their help? Um, I tell you what, Dan, you're quite a shrewd young man, aren't you? <laughs> I try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. You, I like your uh, you got a nice piece about you, and you and, and you and you and you make sense. It's it's nice that the younger generation of today. I mean, I think COVID has has, um, has changed, not because we've got to wear masks or we've got to have vaccinations. Hmm. I think it's like as if time stood still. Yeah, no, I agree. And we all had to be at home and look at what we're doing. And and I'm not sure what that means, but a lot of mental health has come out of this. I think a lot of people have turned to faith. Um. And I think there'll be a sigh of relief when it's sort of in its box where it's being controlled. And I just wonder what new life's going to look like. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about it all the time. Um, I mean, I, just to sort of touch back a little bit, uh, I wasn't as concerned with, what, you know, as, as COVID was hitting its peak, um, I lost my mum. So we well, had our, our little one was was due uh, in 2020, August uh, second and she didn't come but on the day after so the baby was late anyway by 15 days but um we, we, my, my mum passed away the next day so we had all the other oh, back stuff happening good. yeah it's, it's one of those situations you know what did to, you die from then uh stage four um lung cancer but it, it, it spread to the hip and and so on oh, as well. but, but she um, thank you mate uh you know i'm I think about it all the time, obviously, you know, that, that bit of guidance for me, but, um, but yeah, I'd had all that other bad stuff go on and then, and then that had happened. So just at the point where I thought, Oh, we've got, we've got the baby coming and then she's late. And then that happens. I kind of thought to myself, Oh yeah, I can't give a shit about COVID or anyone else or anything else going on. Cause I was so wrapped up in yeah. trying to be there for my own circle, if you want. And, um, but it just made me, made me think when you you mentioning, you know, you sort of reaching out to people and giving them a little bit from your own experiences. 
when I went on that podcast, I got to explain the full situation of all the things that had happened, the, the suicide at the row. I nearly got stabbed on, on the trains as well. So it was all within a week of each other that I'd had that, nearly got stabbed, and then found out mum was ill. Yeah. So we had all that that, that process. Um, and I sort of explained to him from that point on, and then all the rest of it is just constant. It's constant flurries of emotion. You know, you don't really know where you are. Um since all that's gone on and when I had that opportunity to go on that podcast and, and chat about it, I felt like I had a bit of clarity because I was, I was so angry at a lot of things. My emotions weren't in check. You know, I blame, you blame everything on everyone else. Yeah. You blame the dog, you blame this, you blame that. You know, I'm not, I'm not a man of, of, of um, faith or religion by any means. Um, so you can imagine my anger was touting towards this idea of some omnipotent God. You know, I thought, well, What's my mum right. done to be taken, you know? Yeah. you know? And so I was going down that route as well, but... Which is, I understand, yeah. You know, because you, you kind of think, Ooh, why 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 does she get dealt that hand? Yeah. yeah. Why are we here? Why are we doing that? But I've come a long way from that, and I've, I've, I felt like I've grown even more as a person. And Oh, wow. And the reason I wrote in to that podcast was to give other people a... a, a helping hand where they might read that story or get to listen to me talk about it in depth and think well hold on a minute it can be shit but good can come from things and there's a bit more amen out there for you you know and amen to that i love it yeah no can i say something to you is uh i've done a number of these podcasts from the from the james englishes to the which whatever it's all the same you know um and we're giving a message and you know, there's been some great times. There's been whatever, but you got something. You got something about yourself, Dan. That I would, I would develop. Um, you, you, you got a nice equilibrium about you. You speak well, and uh, you should, you should pursue this career. I, I think you're great at interviewing. Oh, thank really. you very much. I, I really appreciate it. I've always um, considered myself. Uh, I'm blowing smoke up my own ass now, but I've no, always considered myself um, a conversationalist. You know, I love I love to talk to people, no matter who mm. it is. Um, I'm the sort of person that, say for instance, like I go to a rock gig. You know, you, you've got those people you put on a pedestal, the singers, the guitarists, whoever. I couldn't give a shit. I'll go up and talk to them straight away and put my hand out and think, "What's up to you if you don't want to give me the same yeah, yeah. respect?" They, I, everyone's equal in my own eyes. It doesn't matter. You know, with... you come across really cool. Oh, thank you. You come across really cool. Now, look, I, I, I could sit and talk to you. I got really relaxed. I feel like talking to you for ages. <laughs> but if you want me to come back on yeah, and have course. another chat with you, Mate, I'd we could do, talk about something different. It's just that I, it's now, it's now, go on, I've got another 15 minutes if you want it. Well, go on. I know. I know you got to shoot off, and you had a few bits yeah. to do. And uh, you know, you were you were gracious enough to have some time. Um, obviously, well, Dan, make meals. sure you keep in touch with me, Dan. No, I will do, mate. I, I will do. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I'd like to come back on and have a chat about something different, maybe later down right down the line. Mate, definitely. I I would love that. It would be fantastic. I was hoping anyway. You know, we like I said, there was no agenda. You know, you've got your story. You've got your own your own back history. But I never wanted you to feel like that's all it's got to be. That's no, cool because you've had that story, you've told that story over hundreds of times now, probably in the same yeah. same format. 
whether it's radio, whether it's internet, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Mm. I was happy. I can always delve off into other other things and 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 chat and and you know see where it goes. That's why it's called Right to Roots. It's wherever you know, wherever we go and wherever we end up. That's that's. Well, make sure you invite me back one day. I will do, mate. I definitely will. Did you get the book? Do you know what? I I literally haven't got it. I tried again in a, in a. Do you want stone. me to send you one? If you've got one to hand, mate, that'd be lovely. Yeah. If you put your, I mean, all the book. See, with COVID, when we bought the book, uh, nothing was open when we. Uh, so we had a tour going on because it's Harper and Collins in America, Australia. That got cancelled. Oh wow! So we were we were stumped. Yeah, none of the bookshops. So we've gone social media, um, and then the, I think I think Walter, uh, Waterstones, whatever. A few of them had it. A few of the Christian books had it, um, and then all of a sudden they get restocked and reshelved. But I, I've got them, and they're they're selling every they're selling all the time. God willing, we've put five thousand into the prisons. Wow, yeah. okay. Which was brilliant. Uh, you can always get it on Amazon. Um, but if you want a book, Dan, and I, I'm not saying you need me to sign it, but if you want me to sign it and put a message in to you, inbox your address and I'll send it to you tomorrow. Oh, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. It's a lovely offer. You're more than was, welcome, son. Yeah. So I wanted to get my hands on it and I, I, I kept going out because I like to go out and get that idea of buying something physical, you know, and picking it mm. up and thinking, I made the effort to at least go out. You've put that yes. media out there. Yeah. go out and grab it and think the least I can do is go out, mm. put money in someone's hand and say, right, I'll, I'll take that with me. And it was only when you said, oh, there's someone on Amazon. I thought, right, okay, I'll get paid. I'll go and I'll go and buy one. And I was going to buy one a couple of days ago. It was only because right. I'll, <laughs> I'll send you one. I'll send you one. Because most of the bookshops, I'm not sure. They, I think they're in, I think it was in uh, a number of them, but I'm, I'm not sure at the moment. But, you know, I think most books wind up on Amazon. Yeah. Because it's the easiest place to get them. You buy it, you deliver the next day. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. They're, they're, it seems to be the only way forward to get bits now, doesn't it? It's just online. Sadly, yeah. But listen, Dan, I'm going to go. I just want to bless you, Dan. Thank you. I hope you invite me back one day. I will do, Send mate. your address to my inbox, and that'll be in the post tomorrow. I wish your family well. Thank you children, very much, mate. Everything you do, if anything I can do in the future, then, then ask me, yeah? Thank you very much, mate. I appreciate it. And the same love goes to yours as well. Took a liking to you. Thank. I'm pleased I've done this. Good. I'm really glad, mate. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Hopefully, it's Bless a good kind of busy. <laughs> it's a busy but good. I'll send good, that book tomorrow, son, yeah? Lovely. No worries. Me, send you a dress over, yeah? I will do, mate. All right? God bless you, son. And look at yourself. You too, mate. Bye, love. See nice to later, meet mate. you. And Tell you, buddy. Bye, mate. Bye. Bye, mate. Well, there we go. Uh, what an interesting chat. Um, so former drug smuggler, all round naughty boy, you know, drug addict, former drug addict, grandfather. This goes on, really. Uh, yeah, you know, I do want to say it's a shame Jason couldn't be here, but I think we've uh, we've done him proud. But there you go. Uh, that was episode five. Um, there's plenty more to come. And if you do like Michael's uh, chat with me, please head over to his Instagram or his Twitter page at Michael Emmett. Uh, you can order the book. He's got his link tree on there. So all the links to the website and what he does and what he is offering is on there. So please give him a shout. All right. Well, bye for now. We'll speak to you soon.